When the internet began, there were directories like Yahoo, where you could click sports, and then you could find football, then maybe you could find your team, and you could eventually land on a website that was somewhat similar to what your original intent was. Now, for well over a decade, safely, we've had the search engine, Google being the preeminent one, where you type in your intent, and Google displays the pages that it thinks are most likely to meet your intent. Farther than that might be some sort of conversational agent that might ask a question back, and upon receiving a second reply, give you precisely what you were looking for via a more engaging sort of general web experience. This is the picture painted by this week's guest here on AI and Industry, and that is Sid J. Reddy. Sid is the chief scientist of Conversica. Conversica is one of, in my personal opinion, only a handful of companies in sort of the chatbot or conversational agent space. That actually have genuine, robust traction with a whole bunch of larger kind of marquee clients. They work on customer support. They work on sales engagement, product support, and a whole bunch of other sort of chat-based applications. And we talk this week with Sid about what it takes to expand the ability of a conversational agent. How can you take the learning from a certain category of calls that might be about customer support and? Possibly translate that to product support, or translate that to an entirely different industry. How do these machines actually learn? Chatbots, you can make some rough analogy that they learn like people, and there's maybe you know some basis in being able to to make that kind of an analogy in the first place. But at the end of the day, there's really only particular ways that some of these learnings can be transferred, and that these systems can sort of expand their capacity. And Sid gives us a pretty realistic overview of what is possible and how these systems can. Develop and improve over time. For any businesses out there who are contemplating whether or not they might be using a conversational agent or interface of some kind or chatbot in some way, shape, or form in the coming years, this might be an interesting interview. For those of you who already are and are thinking about what that same application looks like two years from now, as you get more data and as the technology develops a bit, I think you'll be be able to see a little bit farther down the road after tuning into this interview. I hope so. Without further ado, this is Sid with Conversica here on AI and Industry. So, Sid. First things first. I wanted to get your kind of perspective on what is possible with conversational interfaces for business today. I know that you folks, for example, and, and there's there's other people in the field, but in terms of what you guys have, there's offerings for sales assistance and collections assistance. I imagine some customer support applications. When it comes to what's possible with conversational agents today, what's kind of the landscape of possibility? That's a great question, Dan. I would like to answer this that question. After giving a quick background about myself, yeah, sure, please、um, do. My name is Sid. People call me Sid. My full name is Sid J Reddy, and I started working on natural language processing and machine learning before it was a hype. And I've published extensively in natural language processing and using machine learning to make systems understand and integrate information and summarize it. So the primary requirements for a system to be successful in conversational understanding are two: it needs to be able to understand the question first. So the way NLP researchers solve that problem is they develop classifiers to understand what the intent expressed in that question is, and by intent it could mean whether this person is trying to buy a movie ticket or. He's trying to set a reminder, or she is trying to get a job interview. 
or um, she's trying to buy a car. First, understand what the intent expressed in a particular message that the user has with the bot is. The second thing is extract the entities mentioned in the question. So if it's a car, understand what kind of a car. Is it a Toyota Corolla or is it a Tesla Model X? Because depending on the entity, you would frame your response in a different way. So the first thing is message understanding or query understanding, depending on how you want to call it. And to give a parallel, you can think of conversational agents as version 3.0 of internet. Back when internet started with a lot of hype in the 1990s, the search engines were not popular. All we have is uh, hyperlinks and uh, people just use portals like Yahoo. Yeah, directories and all that, right? Yeah, that was the advanced. I mean, that was the most advanced version of internet. I won't say Google is the first search engine, but really it started the prominent use of search engine, which is today no one uses directories. They just go to a bar, they type the question they want or the query they want, and they expect Google or Bing or similar internet search engine just to give them the the top results. They don't want to go to a directory and browse. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, you can call that as version 2.0. You can think of this conversational agents as really version 3.0, where you don't really want to just start from scratch every time. You first ask a question and you want them, you want the bot to not just, I'm calling it a bot, but you can also think of it as an assistant, really, because he or she really knows your personal history through the previous interactions you had with her or him. I'm really anthropomorphizing it, but that's really the concept of version 3.0. So the idea is for each query you have or each message you have, you're transitioning from query to message from version 2.0 to 3.0. As you're doing that, so every time you have a conversation, the bot understands the intents and entities that are present in in the message. And that requires natural language processing, and most of the natural language processing, the state-of-the-art natural language processing is statistical natural language processing. Yep. Um, so traditionally, until like about 2000s or so, rule-based natural language processing is the most prominent way. We used to write whether it is to in different applications, whether it is in medicine or e-commerce or life sciences or um, B2B scenarios. You write business rules on the presence on whether a text starts with something or, or contains something yeah, or ends yeah. with something. So that, that used to be the more prominent way of using natural language processing. But over the last, especially over the last two decades, three decades, there is an increasing use of machine learning. And the idea of machine learning is you can, based on the previous annotations or previous examples, given a text, what is the intent? So you have multiple examples of those. And based on that, the system automatically learns through a process called training in machine learning to be able to predict the intents and entities for new examples that are not yet seen. Machine learning was the most commonly used word in both industry and academia because it encapsulates a concept that a machine is learning from previous examples. And the concept of deep learning is introduced more recently. And what it means is a subset of algorithms within machine learning 
based on neural networks, which have been in existence since the beginning of any machine learning algorithms, but have been more accurate now because we now have more computational resources for the training process. So machine learning and deep learning are really the method behind how you understand natural language for a company to be successful in um, building conversational understanding systems or bots they need to be really good at doing natural language processing and machine learning maybe maybe this is where we can kind of just put a uh, nutshell around what you've mentioned Sid I, I think you're articulating an important dynamic and I think I know I would like to and I imagine the audience would like to make sure that they're digesting it properly you talked about bots as kind of the internet 3.0 if you will is you go to directories and you click on enough things and kind of finally end up where you want to go. 2.0 is you enter a query into a Google bar or maybe you ask something of Siri or whatever the case may be. And then you're presented with a a list of options. 3.0 is intended to go farther down. It looks like two different continuums. One continuum is the ease of attaining your aim. And number two, I guess, is getting farther to your intent faster. So it seems like if you enter, you know, with, with a bot in this particular case, if there's an understanding of what you're actually after that's beyond just kind of presenting you with, you know, links that you can go and follow, but would present you with a series of steps or other questions to literally achieve whatever you want to achieve, not put you to a site where you can then go try to achieve it, but actually just talk you through getting done what you wanted to get done. You want to book a flight, you want to do whatever, you're not going to go elsewhere, you just keep typing into this box, and as soon as we have the information we need, your intent is done. It seems like that's kind of the 3.0 thing. It's, It's achieving that intent faster and that you see bots as sort of that kind of an intent-reaching evolution of kind of the internet itself. Exactly. So the way I would summarize it is, in 3.0, the bots should be able to complete tasks for you, and they should be able to summarize the information you need, as opposed to giving you lengthy documents, and uh, you're supposed to read all those documents to either decide what to do to complete the task or summarize the information for yourself. So task completion and knowledge summarization are the essential elements of 3.0. Got it. And this can be applied in a whole bunch of different domains. There's companies that I'm sure you're aware of who are trying to do this with booking appointments, who are trying to do yeah. this with outbound sales contacts. There's folks like you you guys who are working on some degree of kind of lead follow-up and collections follow-up and things along those lines. I imagine at present it's probably best to, and at least it's marketed with you guys as somewhat distinct applications. The technology, I imagine, is is rather similar. The approach is is rather similar. But is it important to have sort of a distinct agent that fulfills a specific intent so that when a query comes through, through whatever means, email, chat, phone message, whatever, that we know which agent to route it to, which is responsible for what kind of goal. Like, oh, clearly this is a a collections issue, or oh, clearly this is a sales leader. Oh, clearly, and then it needs to go to sort of a a proper, distinct agent unit that tackles that kind of thing? Or is that really more just to help people understand it, and it's kind of the same machine system that can sort of tackle a variety of those circumstances? I think some people might think about it as one big black box, and, and other folks might think about it as individual units that have a goal that they darn well optimize for. What is closer to being the case, Sid? It's actually neither of them. 
the fundamental reason we have different agents doing different things is because natural language processing and machine learning, uh, if you look at the state of research in academia, is unsolved. And it is very difficult to understand natural language, the way humans write it. We don't yet have a model that understands everything for every context. So what researchers and companies do is they collect annotation data for a given task or for a given knowledge summarization objective. And they try in a model, going back to the previous example of machine learning, for that given particular annotation task, for the given intent and the corresponding set of entities, they get annotations and they train the model for that. So as a result of it, that particular model can only do well based on the examples it has. Yes. Um, so for that reason, different companies focus on different intents and entities. Many companies that claim to do a wide variety of the things, they fall into two categories. They could be like Alexa or uh, Cortana from Microsoft a Google Home from Google, where the companies that really truly have a huge amount of data for a wider number of applications. And those are primarily focused on consumer domain because of their experience dealing with consumers, either through search or in the case of Amazon, through, through retail. So based on all the data they have, they have a lot of annotations that are already with them. So for those three companies, and perhaps also Facebook, it's very easy to generate models with multiple applications. And as someone who worked in some of these applications and have some internal knowledge, the way it happens internally also is it's not just one model. It's a team of hundreds of people working, uh, developing hundreds and thousands of models for each application. And they develop a single app called Alexa or Cortana that does yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, so, as, as you're saying, they're finding ways to call different things a discrete use case and then nailing those discrete use cases and similar intents in the back end. And of course, a company like Amazon and Facebook, you can have 2,000 people in a building dedicated to AI who can just bang away on those thousands of applications. So one bucket is that. I would take it the other bucket is people who are just outright blustering. Yeah. In relation to Conversica, what we want to focus is we want to become the market leader in AI-powered business conversations. And at present, we are the only provider of AI-driven lead engagement software for marketing and sales organizations. So we have data that we have been collecting for the last 10 years, and we currently have 1,100 companies that are using our product. So, yeah. so uh, we can't make it a commercial, but I, I get where you're going. You guys are focusing specifically on business conversations as the use cases you want to nail. So everybody picks their poison, everybody picks their domain of focus. It sounds like for you folks, really nailing kind of business conversations. And it sounds like with mostly a focus on lead engagement is sort of where you are knuckling down as a company. So lead engagement is an application The kind of data we have and we started collecting goes really beyond lead engagement. Although we started with sales, that involves data about products. So we are able to do multiple things beyond just lead engagement. So we are able to, for example, do customer service. We are able to do product support. We are able to, for example, 
get into other parallel domains also, real estate, insurance, finance, and mortgage. There are two reasons why we are able to scale to different industries and applications. One is because the intents and entities we extract for a given task, they could often be applied in a similar way to a different industry. So what we learned from automotive can be scaled to education domain or insurance domain or real estate domain. And the second thing is what we learn about a given product can be scaled to different applications for the same product. So given that we have lead engagement, just like Amazon was able to scale from retail to now an app called Alexa. Similarly, because we know a lot about a product, given the data we have and what kind of information is often requested about a given product, we are able to also scale to other applications like customer service or support and also similar things uh, such as, let's say, one of the things that we are considering is recruiting because we know so much about the product now that we know what kind of skill set is needed to support that product. So this is more an extension of your question, but for a company to be successful, it needs a lot of data. And uh, once you have the data, you can scale in two ways. One is you can scale to different industries that follow similar intents and entities. Yes, You could scale to different applications for the same industry because you have a lot of data related to that product. That's an excellent synopsis, and I'm I'm wary of time, but I I do want to put a a final cap on this. And Sid, I really appreciate the detail. I think this is helpful for the people tuned in to understand, you know, what is bot proficiency really, and and how is it actually built and constructed. And you're talking about the two ways that it could work. And it sounds actually a lot like human expertise. All of my graduate school work, as much as if I could turn back the clock, I'd probably pick computer science, was in cognitive science. You're talking about how skills can apply to a like-task kind of sideways, or you can build and maybe go into kind of exploring a domain that you know a lot about because you have a lot of contextual information about it. It sounds a lot like how humans learn, but I guess just to to put a cap on how you're talking about it, if let's say a company like Conversica and you guys have a lot of use cases, and I've found some of your YouTube videos pretty handy in understanding this stuff, if you work a bunch in a particular retail space answering a certain kind of questions in fashion, a lot of those same questions, that same intent of wanting to purchase something online or wanting a refund online or wanting to know a product that goes along with something else online might work just as well for buying food or buying wine or buying baby supplies or buying anything else. Because again, like you said, the intents are similar. The routes and the sequences of conversations are similar. You swap out the entities and you feed in enough data about the new domain and you sort of have the template to work within because you focused kind of your expertise on nailing that use case. Is that, to put a a kind of nut around what transferable expertise is for these kind of systems, is that a good way to frame it? Yes, that's a very good summary. And in addition, you also need to have the kind of infrastructure that Conversica has to continuously improve the quality of data. You can't just expect to have a system trained on food and expect to work in real estate without yeah, continuously yeah, monitoring and yep. correcting the annotations. That's important. And so it's it's probably easier for a company like Conversica. I mean, I imagine you folks could walk right into an industry you've never been in. And so long as you're great at the use case, with enough data, you could get there. But it's probably easiest when you work with your 400th car dealer, because then you almost have it all figured out in that particular scenario, because you've worked with so many Toyota dealers 
that it's a little bit easier to maybe plug into one where the entity flow is kind of similar too. But like you said, you're moving into an ice cold new domain, we're going to need the data to train it and get it up to speed, even if we can handle those use cases. Yeah, I mean, the system should be able to have an accuracy of 80% out of the box. But to get to the remaining 20%, you need to uh, involve humans in the loop to provide feedback to the system on what it is doing incorrectly and move from that 80% to 100%. Got it. Cool. And Sid, that's all that we have for time. But this was excellent. And I think hopefully the folks who are tuned in have, again, a better understanding of how bot expertise is developed, you know, what's actually needed to get systems like this to work, and you know, what kind of the requirements around training are. And I think you've done a great job of explaining some of those things. So Sid, thank you so much for being able to share your expertise here on AI and industry. Thanks so much for the opportunity, Dan. That's all for this episode on the AI and Industry Podcast, where we explore the applications and implications of AI in your business or industry. And when it comes to those benefits of real insight in terms of artificial intelligence applications and business, this show is really just the tip of the iceberg. AI and Industry is produced by Tech Emergence, and over at techemergence.com, you can find actionable industry-specific coverage, including case studies, unique market research with charts and graphs, and regular coverage of the AI applications of both the hottest startups here in the Bay Area, as well as what Fortune 500 companies are doing with AI today. Everything from marketing and advertising, business intelligence to specific industries like finance and healthcare, you can stay ahead of the curve and stay on the right side of disruption by visiting techemergence.com. And when you're there, make sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter on the left-hand side of the page. Uh, Most of our podcast listeners get the episodes directly to their inbox every week. You'll be joining tens of thousands of other business leaders who join us from all over the world to stay ahead of the curve of AI in their specific industry. So that's techemergence.com. Uh, I'm Dan Fagella. This is AI and Industry, and we'll catch you next week.